the only podcast that lets you take a stealth approach or go in guns a-blazing. You're now listening to the Exclamation Mark. Welcome to the Exclamation Mark, a podcast episode 25. We are a quarter of the way to 100. That is very exciting for me. I am uh, one of your hosts, Croft and Steers, uh, the Frodo Baggins of this journey into Mordor. And with me, as always, is my Sam, my Samwise, Bo Schwartz. Bo! Welcome to the show. Uh, hello there, Mr. Steers. Let, I don't want to go. Let's. Not, I don't want to leave the Shire. We we don't have to leave the Shire, do we? It's such a nice I, place. I don't want to leave the podcast Shire. It's so beautiful how are you, here. How are you today, Bo Schwartz? Uh, I'm pretty Please sure that tell was me. The single-handedly the worst accent I've ever done. <laughs> That's um, not even close to being true, but okay. yes. Uh, I'm good. I am good. I actually, I think I might have had... I might have had too much sugar and or gluten. Um, I went to the... In Canada, we have this place called Giant Tiger. And they have these donuts. And, uh, they have six, mm. packs of, six packs of glazed donuts for on sale for a dollar. And I said, this will be a dollar well spent. This is like six snacks spread out over the next couple of weeks. And I came home and, and I kind of ate them all. <laughs> that's what that's what six packs of donuts are for. And if you kept them longer, they would get stale. Although, because they're from Giant Tiger, there's a good chance they were already stale. <laughs> I thought you were going to say there's a good chance they would have lasted a few weeks because they're made from partially from cardboard. Um, no, no. And uh, anyways, I crashed kind of hard before we started. <laughs> like, just really hard. I was like, oh, I feel horrible. Um, so... Speak- but I feel good otherwise, so thank you for asking. Speaking of crashing hard, that's what everybody is doing. It is a couple of days after Halloween. Uh, I had a very good Halloween and uh, have been, uh, just to be safe, and Bo, you were with me at this time, I bought a 150 or 110 pack of those small candy oh, bars. Right. like a giant Hershey box. Yeah, with about lots the size of, of our heads, in. like roughly, maybe yeah. a little bigger. Yeah. It, it, a lot of Reese's in there, which is my personal fave. Um, and, uh, yeah, needless to say, we didn't get 150 kids. We got, like, 30 kids or something. I gave them, you know, two each. So that's 60 of my 110, but I still got 50 candy bars. Much less now. So, uh, so yeah, I, I have to many, say... It's the it, second today? So between yesterday and today, how much have you eaten? I would rather not think about that, but let me think. He's got like three I, left, guys. <laughs> He's got like... I had three with my lunch today, like three mini bars. Okay. And then I had, we were watching TV just before we did the show, and I had I had like four then. So I, I've had seven today. 
Three of them, I'd say, would make a candy bar. Well, I think a lot of people would say, hey, that's a lot. I know I would say, that's not bad at all. But um... it's how it's after Halloween. It's, you know, and also, Bo, I'm on this new gym kick where uh, two weeks now I've been going back to the gym. I'm getting, you know, shredded. And by shredded, I mean trying not to die yeah, uh, getting, and barely doing any exercise. By the machine, machinery. Gotcha. Yeah, so uh, I, uh, anyway, I, I feel like I can gorge a little bit and then I will, you know, burn it all off in the gym. Oh! Yeah, I think the idea behind gorging or giving yourself those days is that you have to have already lost weight and then you reward yourself with a gift. You don't go day one and be like, I deserve a gift. I'm going to eat an entire uh, <laughs> three boxes of craft dinner <laughs> and have five pieces of candy bar. I apparently don't know how the gym works. When I was in the gym today uh, in the locker room afterwards and there was a bunch of guys who had done a bunch of like working out and stuff and I was like, hey guys, we're all going to enjoy our Pepsi Maxes this afternoon. I'm I'm uh, very much of a fan of Pepsi Max and they all looked at me with a tremendous amount of disgust. They're like, you're so, not gluten free, bro? You need, yeah. to, you, need to, you need to get that poison out of your system, man. Drink uh Drink Muscle Bound XL twenty five hundred. I don't know what that is. Like, one step at a time. But right now, I'm starting the exercise. Next, it will be the good eating. So, but let's let's step aside from that. I don't want to distract people too too much because we're here to talk about video games, the week in video games. So, uh, I mean, people don't want to hear about my super rock hard abs or my massive glutes or my super sweet biceps. Oh, all right. You know. All right. <laughs> I had enough. Or my sweet chiseled ass. Read me I'm doing a peck bounce. I know, but it looks because cause the camera doesn't show your entire body. It just looks like you're playing with yourself. You should not stop. You should stop doing it. <laughs> oh, well. All right. I'll, li um, I'll live. Yeah. So this is uh, readme.txt where we're going to talk like news and stuff, like the latest you know, headlines, fantastic things that are happening, all that great stuff. Um, first up, the biggest headline for me, and I think for a lot of people this week, Bob Ross. Do you know who Bob Ross is? Yes, I so, do use a painter or a painting instructor, rather. Yeah, so, um, and this was a guy who um, used to be, you know, I think it was in the Air Force. He was a military guy, and he got tired of yelling and wanted to live a quiet, peaceful, relaxing life of speaking softly and just guiding the paintbrush back and forth. Oh, there's a little happy accident. Those happy accidents are what make great, beautiful things. It's amazing. Okay, so first of all, the headline is... I thought we is, were going to talk about gaming. We already well, talked about all the lifestyle crap. No, no, but here's the deal. So Twitch.tv, arguably the number one um, stream, game live streaming service out there dedicated to gaming, has um, started a Bob Ross marathon to celebrate the launch of its new creative channel where artists and cosplayers, makeup people, whatever, can live stream the creation of their art as it relates, you know, primarily to video games, I would imagine. Like, if you make music and you want people to watch you making music for your sweet video game you're doing, you can do that on the Creative Channel. So to celebrate it, they've started, you know, they, they were like, let's do a marathon about Bob Ross. What I feel like a lot of people are surprised by is that it's basically almost the most viewed channel on Twitch. Like, why a landslide? People love this thing. 
And my favorite thing about it is that when a new episode starts, people go GLHF, which is good luck, have fun. And when the show's over, everyone's saying GG in the chat. <laughs> like in and it's the, I mean, I'm, I was in there, so I'm saying GG too. I think it's hilarious. Um, and there's a lot of stuff happening in between. Like if he does something, it's like, oh, ruined it. And then, oh my God, that paint stroke was clutch. And there's like all kinds of, you know, funny things that are happening in this chat. And it's like tens of thousands of people. I think when I first logged on, it was 70,000 people watching um, that Twitch stream. And it's still going. If you want to watch it right now, you can. And I I have to admit, I spent, you know, maybe more time than I should have watching Bob Ross uh, do painting. But it's good stuff. And so this So is- the only thing it has to do with gaming is because Twitch is streaming these episodes. See, I find this this is one of these things where it's like Twitch it, it, it engages in these marketing practices or whatever and they it, some some of them are organic such as uh the Twitch plays Pokemon thing. Somebody started this or whatever. But this feels like really like to a certain extent contrived. Like they're like this is going to be a viral thing that we create. And now it's it's viral and they could they could, you know, obviously the only reason people are into this right now is because it's a new it's a new thing. People aren't the Bob Ross channel isn't going to be the highest viewed channel next this time next year. They're only into it now because this is where all the community has decided to uh, congregate. It's like the town square, if you will. Sure, and Twitch is always sure. going to have something new. And I, I, I part of me admires their ability to do that. But another part of me feels like participating in it or just viewing it would be like I'm part of like some corporate sort of experiment that they're doing almost uh, like a uh, viral by design if you will sure. they're, they're absolutely that's a you raise a good point there are absolutely people that are trying to examine how you know virality the science of virality works and to leverage it for maximum market penetration no doubt and thinking about some some like Arguably, before this, what still people consider to be some crappy PBS show about some, you know, hippie floozy painting. <laughs> you know, a lot of there's a, there's, you know a lot of audiences out there would not get why people want to watch that. Well, it shit. was a it was a tremendously but, watched show when it was on on TV. No, I, really... I I know, but like if you think about how we look at, you know, still it's like old television shows. Like what were they thinking back then or whatever? Like it's not. It's not like they was like, let's get Ryan Reynolds to, to show his abs and, and, and say bad words or something, like something stupid that an actual um, out-of-touch corporate entity would try to come up with. You know, it's actually just like, you know, Rob, Bob Ross is, people thought he was cool. Let's just do it and just leave it at that. They didn't, they, they're not putting in like sound effects or weird things in there. So I don't know. I, I think, I think they're sort of, I think they're hitting it in terms of they're celebrating somebody who's actually cool and not somebody who's like got something to gain from it. It's not like, like oh Ryan Reynolds, uh, he's going to get like a million new followers now, or, or like nobody's nobody who's part of the content creation is really benefiting except maybe the Bob Ross company who sells paints. But like, yeah, he's been he's been dead since the nineties. Yeah, I think. but like, like I really feel like you know, it's just it was really out of left field. I never really watched it. Probably as a young person, I would have thought that crap was whack because I was a bit of a cool dude, aka asshole as a younger person. So I might have. You know, written it off as like this isn't Power Rangers. <laughs> you know, this isn't cool. But um, I'm watching it now and really seeing. Uh, yeah, how much but fun it you're is. you're watching it, but it's manufactured cool right now. There's a bunch of people that are watching it, these tens and thousands, and they're not necessarily appreciating Bob Ross and painting. They're appreciating this sort of like 
the fact that they're in on sort of a joke almost like I bet a lot of them are laughing at him and not like you know appreciating the show I think there are a lot of viewers like that on every channel on Twitch including our own um you know but I think there are people who appreciate it and I know I'm one of them I'm like I'm glad they did this they reached out to me um you know and this was you know this didn't come out as a result of it but there's all kinds of memory going on you know like this and if you've painted with me before you know this is the fun part of this whole technique wash the old brushes beat the devil out of them and that's what makes it fun just enjoy wash the old brush that's the fun part (laughs) cover everything in the studio just scrub it off good old odorless paint so that's a there's a video from youtube um you know where the he likes to hit the brush on things and beat the devil out of the brush yeah to the um you know instrumental track of jay-z and kanye's west's in words in paris song um, that's a great song, by the way. But uh, <laughs> I just, I it's, just it's awkward it's... for white people to say the name because it's it's quite literally called N words in Paris. But um, there you go. It's just, I mean, it's still like I I appreciate it. Their efforts to to corporately turn something viral has worked. Like I mean, people are making those memes and and that sort of thing. But it it doesn't. So especially as a gamer, I'm already like be, being. As sort of an old school gamer, going onto Twitch and watching other play, people play games is, is already somewhat of, uh, you know, I'm not involved in esports. I'm not in, involved in, in in much live streaming other than podcasts. So for me, it's difficult to get on board with watching a TV show communally like this um, that was sort of cooked up in a lab at Twitch to sell their new new channel. At the same point, like I'm I'm happy that it's giving people joy and enjoyment and stuff like that and bob ross is a positive person and hopefully some of that positivity is is translating to what can be sometimes a toxic online community you know yep so yeah yeah. i think there's more good than bad here but i think your points are well uh, well put Um, so speaking of of stuff that's got maybe more good than bad well i don't know this might be more bad than good really um so batman arkham knight I've made a pitch on this show about how it's a good game. I've enjoyed it, but I played the PS4 version. The PC version's been plagued with problems, so much so that they pulled it off the Steam store. This is Warner Brothers Interactive and uh, Rocksteady Games, the the developers. They pulled it off the Steam store, and they they said, you know, we're going to work on this port, which was not done well was having all sorts of optimization problems. We're going to relaunch it. We talked about it last week, how they were relaunching it around Halloween, which is a great time because the game is set during Halloween. I thought it was very serendipitous that they were ready for Halloween. Turns out I may have been giving them too much credit. Sounds like there's still problems. And, like, I mean, I'm... A lot of them have been addressed, but there's still some some problems, and people are rightfully super annoyed. You know, like if you're waiting for this relaunch, so now Warner Brothers is offering full refunds, and so I think that that was something that that you know, Bo, you talked about Steam refunds before, and I think you could go about getting a Steam refund. I think it was possible, but now I think I think what they were doing um, earlier was there offering. Was, there's a two free week games. limit on it. Like if you were waiting for this patch and you'd bought it already, you're outside the limit, so you couldn't. Yeah. From Steam. Okay. That's why it's it's significant that Warner Brothers is offering the refund. 
they're saying like, and they're saying it doesn't matter how much time you've played. And they're saying that like, and I think they offered games at one point, like uh, other other games to sort of compensate um, people. But now they're like, okay, uh, we if you're still unhappy at this point, and they'll probably continue to patch it. I would expect, but I mean, it is it is going to be when we look back at 2015 in gaming, it's going to be one of those big. Oh, New stories is going to be how they took this celebrated franchise and um, and just one version of the game essentially dragged the whole name of the franchise, the developer, the, everything through the, the loudest, mud. the loudest version, maybe the smallest market share version, but also the more, more loud version. I would think PC gamers are very much, you know, you don't mess with them or they'll post online forever about how terrible it was right so fair enough yeah it's true one thing i think is kind of cool about the batman arkham games i in in arkham um in arkham city there was this batman has this villain called calendar man and he was imprisoned in arkham city like you could go see him in the in the jail underneath the courthouse and depending on the day it was in real life like so if 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 it was christmas or new years or whatever he would have different dialogue choices if you played the game on that day so you oh, could go see calendar man yeah. like you could load up arkham city on halloween and go see calendar man and see what he had to say of course a lot of people would just change the date on their ps3 or whatever at the time and and go uh and talk to him just to see his different dialogue things um, but uh, it turns out Batman Arkham Knight has had an Easter egg for Halloween, and uh, it's, it's, I think that's kind of cool. The uh, One of the enemies in Arkham Knight is the Man Bat, which is like a, an actual genetic bat creature, um, and you put him away, and on Halloween, if you play the game on Halloween, he'll escape um, – and it's just a cutscene or whatever, and you go and you see his prison, and it's all destroyed. And some characters will have comments. It's not like extensive stuff. You don't go out and capture him again. He's escaped for good or whatever. But it's still cool, and I like the idea of these games having like little Easter eggs that will only unlock if you play them on that day. I think yeah. that's pretty sweet. Yeah, I think so too. I didn't even know that about Calendar Man. To be honest, it's kind of mind blowing my mind right now that that's even like a thing. Yeah, because I'm like. Wait, what? I didn't know yeah. that. And it's funny because I even forgot about Calendar Man. Um, I remember going there and be like, I'll have to come back later and check out. Like, I'm sure the story is going to bring me back here. And then there's so much good stuff that happened in the game that I actually completely forgot about that Calendar Man until you brought him up now. Um, so, and wow. it's and obviously that's where they got you know the idea. And who knows? Maybe Arkham City or uh, sorry, Arkham Knight. Maybe Arkham Knight's got other ones. Like part of me feels like changing the date to Christmas and like trying to explore and see if there's anything else in there. I mean, I bet people have already done that. But um, but yeah, it's it, it's it's just a cool concept. That said, I think for me it would reward me more if I was playing the game on that day. And like I told you before, Arkham Knight is set during Halloween, so you might be sitting around. And I mentioned last time how it'd be a good Halloween game. You might yeah. play it on Halloween, yeah. but if you if you played it on Halloween at the wrong time, like if you were in the wrong place in the story, you wouldn't even get that Easter egg. So, well, I wish. I would know about these things, but I guess part of the nice thing about that kind of game development is secrets. Secrets are cool. So I like, yeah, I like I that know. I'm just finding out about it. Um, yeah. Well, the, on the refund front, is this a good thing or a bad thing? Like 
I think it's just bad. I, I think I never want to give a refund for a game that I really wanted to play, right? Like this is really shitty on the part of uh, on the part of is it Warner Brothers. It, it's it's the shitty part is not the refund. The shitty part is that they didn't fix the problems. Yeah. That right, like it's always good to be able to get a refund for something that you bought. Right? But, but either in, in, way, this is this is bad. Like this is not good. No, it's it, it's it's not good, but it's sort of like and maybe I'm spoiled. Like I got a PS4. This is mainly a console type game, and I feel like I mean. I I feel bad for the PC PC gamers and stuff. I I do, but like they it feels expectations, like right? They've ironed out a lot of the problems, and this has gotten a tremendous amount of publicity. It isn't like this company got away with it under the radar, or that there's a small group of people complaining. This was like all over all news sites for the better part of a year. So I feel like whatever. I mean, everybody knows about it now. I just feel bad because Rocksteady in particular was seen as such a uh, an ironclad developer, like quality um polish all that sort of thing and even though they weren't the ones responsible for the pc port i mean a lot of the stink rubs off on them so i feel well, bad yeah for i here's what i say is that it's part of a franchise and they set an expectation it, it's one thing if this is a new friend pc gamers are not new to being neglected for certain games and you know what they won't play them if unless they really want to they'll go out and get the console and play the game but if they are purists or don't want to buy the other consoles um they don't feel like they have to because they have their own gaming options. That's one thing. I think it's another thing to say, to set expectations, to be like, yep, all of our games also appear on PC. They also kick ass on PC. We like PC as a platform. And then they're like, oh, crap, PC. Well, I guess it didn't work out that well. Well, I guess we don't care. That's a real kick in the nuts because they set an expectation. They did. And it could be, it's whoever, Rocksteady, whoever's at, somebody's culpable for that. And so I probably won't be playing any more Batman games going forward because of this. Um, because I'm not going to buy a console just to play a Batman game. And yeah, because <laughs> it's like I'll, I'll, I'm not interested. If they're not interested in serving their customers, then I'm not interested in, in recommending them to other people or buying their products. That's my that's my salty baby rage. Anyways, uh, moving right along. Uh, a lot of esports goings on. So I'm gonna run through it real quick i'm just kind of a fanboy of some of this stuff so i want to talk about it a bit the it's good honestly some of it has been uh we haven't talked about much esports on the show but i mean it's it's a growing thing and you know quite a bit about it so for sure what's what's the latest in the esports league of legends had their worlds um so you know all throughout the year there's an exit just like regular sports is an exhibition like there's what they call the spring and summer splits um where they have you know ongoing uh, point accruement for placement at the world championship and then you know like region there'll be regional champions crowned like in the americas or in korea or china so now the worlds has just concluded um some really deep runs for european teams notably north america is always trying to beat out the korean teams uh north american teams did not do very well both semifinals featured each a korean team and a european team fanatic and um i can't remember the name of the other one oh, origin that's what it was um, they both got beat, and so it was a grand Korean final between uh, Koo Tigers and SK Telecom. And uh, SK Telecom won last year, and they won again this year. And um, I didn't actually get a chance to see the final game, but I did see both semifinals. And um, it was really good, really good esports action, so uh, congrats to them. That was pretty fun to watch. Also this week, BlizzCon is coming up next weekend, so um, because 
there's so much esports stuff happening during those two days. They're actually having a lot of the group stage stuff happen this week. So at various times, there's been StarCraft, Hearthstone, and Heroes of the Storm action. Even some WoW Arena, but uh, I, I'm not really too into that. Um, I think it has a smaller viewer base, but that's esports too. In particular, the StarCraft 2 broadcast uh, was really good. I don't usually watch StarCraft 2 stuff year-round, but I was checking it out for this, and the competition was really fierce. There was some you know, pretty, pretty uh, great battles, but um, no big upsets, I think, in terms of standings. Um, and I was watching Heroes of the Storm, and there were some great, great, amazing matches on Heroes of the Storm. Of course, I have a show where I talk about all of this stuff. That's core. You can go listen to it. But... It was really great stuff. I think that game has a very promising future as an eSport of choice because there are a lot of great um, wow moments in it. Like Just like in wrestling when the guy comes out and delivers that big special move or maybe like in, in hockey when someone's really owning another team. Like Some really good special moments there. So. But, but wouldn't like just in, in terms of games like Hearthstone have a monopoly on what they do, but Heroes, let's face it, it's a, it's a, a MOBA and it's in competition with League and it's in competition with Dota 2. Do you think that there's room in the esports world for all three of those games? Well, the difference between like regular sports and esports is that sports are not tied like basketball isn't owned by anybody. It's not like someone in, came developed the game basketball and it's licensed to whatever. Whereas games do, and games generally don't have a super long lifespan. Like basketball has been around what, like fifty years, a hundred years as a like. How long has NBA been producing its content, and how little has that game changed? Whereas you know, StarCraft One was came out maybe twenty years ago. There's still people playing it, but it's a very small. That's got to be a super niche thing. So game companies keep after developing new things. So I think the Dota and League of Legends life cycle it may start to peter out in favor of newer games being developed. That being said, neither one of those were slam dunk hits the day they came out. They had to fight it out between other MOBA games like Heroes of New Earth. And other ones, I can't even think of their names, that also were released concurrently. And only the strongest kind of survived. And I have I have faith in Blizzard in the sense that, um, you know, they have a lot of money uh, backing them. They also have hired, I think, did we talk about this last week? They've hired uh, uh, the CEO from MLG and someone else who I think was a who ran the NFL or something like that. Like they, they brought in two really big deals to head up a new division called Blizzard Esports. Um, so I think that they may drown them out with uh, corporate money, um, given the fact, given, you know, Blizzard's big weight in the industry. So I, I, I think that's yeah. interesting, but it, that's interesting. And I could see Blizzard, a lot of their games like Starcraft 2, Hearthstone. Uh, I get those. They're, they're pretty much like RTS, uh, on esports RTS, I think StarCraft is your number one by a long shot. Esport collectible card games, your pro- Hearthstone is probably your number one, um, and, and uh, it's just Heroes is in in a weird spot there, just based on the fact, and they can throw corporate money at it. But it seems like I looked at how many concurrent players of of Dota two there are at any given time on Steam. It's ridiculous, and League has even more. Well, Those league... are just players, and and then there's there's in terms of who's going to watch the esports. I feel like you're only going to watch the esport if you're a player of that. There'll be very few people that are going to watch an esport if they don't play that game. And so it seems like Heroes. 
has by far the smallest player base of those three. And then if I had three hockey leagues, you know, I, I would imagine that at one point, it, it, as time goes on, the one that, that has the least amount of players and viewers would, would start to fade. Yeah, and that very may very well be the case. I just, these games don't, aren't, it's not like a launch of a game where all the success is up front on launch day. They have to grow into the community that they have. So it has its work cut out for it. Um, the world's finals for League of Legends, I didn't watch the finals, so I don't know how many concurrent viewers, but the semifinals I both watched had 500,000 viewers, um, which is enormous even for Twitch. And that was just Twitch. They did stream it on YouTube. It might have even been televised at various places around the world. Um, and the attendance alone, it was a packed stadium you know, for for this event. It didn't look like... It didn't look packed. It was packed, you know, because I think a lot of esports events look packed, but there aren't as many people. You see a lot of empty chairs. Um, This was, in fact, like packed and people were yelling and screaming and all that kind of good stuff. So, um, yes, you're absolutely right that the Heroes in particular has its work cut out for it. But um, I don't know. They're also wading into the first person shooter genre, which arguably is even more flood. It's a smaller market flooded by more IPs. You've got Call of Duty. You've got... uh, you know, Counter Strike, Global Offensive. You've got. Uh, there may even be some Quake stuff still happening. You know, it's. Um, to me, it's funny you mentioned mentioned the first person shooter thing because I was watching this video earlier this week uh, uh, on IGN. They have their own esports show, and they were talking about console developers and how at one point there was like a small window before the MOBAs really blew big, where like where Call of Duty was being played fairly regularly at these it's sort of esports tournaments and um it looked like the console um had sort of like a finger on the pulse like you had from from fighting games like street fighter and and super smash brothers to shooters they were like what aside from starcraft maybe that's what people thought of when they thought of esports but now they're way behind like way behind the eight ball PC games, uh, in particular, MOBAs have just blown the doors off esports, and now console developers are kind of scrambling to, to to assess whether this is worth their their time and money. I think they're determining it is, but I think like we're going to start seeing like tailored development for esports on consoles the, and the, stuff. The problem, I think, and I'm not an expert with console development, is that it requires infrastructure that PCs can develop ad hoc. So if you release a game and then it becomes a popular eSport, well, you also need now an observer client so people can watch. Now, what does that game look like from an observer point of view? How can third parties start setting up tournaments that are licensed but don't require involvement? What kind of you know leeway do you have? Well, consoles are not big on letting people just do whatever they want in terms of development on their systems. You know, there's like all kinds of issues where PCs are just PCs. So, you know, I think that's why a lot of the esports games are PC-based because then you don't have to deal with manufacturers um, in the same with the same limitations as, like, well, Xbox has these standards or whatever. So that's, uh, that's my sense. Is it worth it? Yes. It's anyone just thinking about doing esports can, should get in. It's going to be bigger and bigger um, as time goes on. 
And PlayStation and Xbox, especially PlayStation, like PlayStation 4 has its share button that immediately lets you live stream whatever you're doing and stuff. I think with new like platform operating systems, updates to games, patches, they're essentially kind of like PCs. You're right. There's still that proprietary ownership there. But I think if a game was being developed, like now you see these games being developed with esports in mind. Um, I think that there's a possibility of developing a console game like that and then, you know, patching it as need need be. It it would give them more control over the Wild West of um of esports. I don't know that it, you know, I don't know that it's gonna happen, but uh I I, it's, it's I, just I could that esports see... right now are coupled very heavily with heavy heavily with innovation and console developers are slow to innovate, you know, because it's because of its closed environment. And because they're on like five year cycles or ten year yeah. cycles on yeah. consoles, yeah. right? So if the so... next big esport VR headsets come out, all of a sudden people are VR wrestling. It's the new big thing. And like the, you know, and the technology required to make that happen is a little ahead of what the current gen consoles have. Well, they're screwed. <laughs> like it's going to go to PC. Man. Yeah. VR wrestling. Right. I'd be there, man. Like zero G space <laughs> VR wrestling. Irish whip. Backflip. <laughs> you you laugh, press. but it, it, that could, it could, that is, that in my imagination, that seems like a you know possibility. A laugh. I, I'm laughing of joy. Yeah. I mean, the the other thing we didn't talk about are, are uh, side-scrolling fighters. They're huge. They're always on Twitch. There, there's a whole pro scene with like Street Fighter and Tekken and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's uh, that's another thing that could be innovated on, you know, in a big way with VR headsets. Why don't you just really <laughs> get in there and fight instead of you know side-scrolling? All right. Well, that's all the blah 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 that uh, our show is fit to spew about esports. But I'm not done talking about Blizzard. Um, <laughs> so BlizzCon's around the corner just letting you know it's next weekend so next week's show I may be going off at Verbal Diarrhea to talk about all the sweet stuff coming out of BlizzCon so I'll spare you my speculation this week however um, Overwatch closed beta did start yours truly didn't get in so I'm a little sad about that but um, hopefully so soon so far but a lot of people that I'm friends with uh, uh, friends with now like have gotten in and it's making me super that's jealous because <laughs> yeah, like, that's got to be not annoying at all. I'm like son of a bitch. I want to get into that game. Um, but just uh, for the record, part of me really felt like pranking you and pretending that I received it. <laughs> you know, if you sent me some fake emails telling me I got in, um, I'd be super amazing. <laughs> I'd be super. You know, just like I would fall for that. Uh, you know, blizzard at gmail.com sent you an invite. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. I love it. I wish Uh you would have done that. That would have been a great story, but anyways. Uh, so yeah, they're also, um, overwatch people, you know, the data miners, they're, they're like, you know, the dwarves in real life that mine for data in the applications we all use, uh, nerds, we call them. Yeah. Like us, they found out that, there's some code hinting that Overwatch may be destined for consoles, and given the simplicity of the control scheme, seems very plausible to a lot of people. So, you know, uh, Crofton, you're a big uh, console lover. You know, they'd be you, ridiculous not to. Like, I mean, you're leaving money on the table. 
Um, even Team Fortress Two, which is considered to be by many, like obviously it made its 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 cash money primarily in the hat market on PC, uh, but uh, but it released at the same time as part of the Orange Box on Xbox 360, right? You could play it there, um, and so for, for me, like Planet Side Two recently launched on uh, PS4. If they can do Planet Side Two, they can definitely do um, Overwatch, and we now know that Blizzard has done. Um, what was it? The Diablo Ultimate Edition, Diablo Three Ultimate Edition, yeah, yeah. Um, with uh, console controls and all that. It went over really well, reviewed well, well, sold well. They may have they may have an interest in 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 pursuing the uh, you know the uh, the console market when where they can. Like Heroes, obviously, is not a good fit. Hearthstone, not a great fit, but it was a great fit for iPad, and they recognize that. And so maybe Overwatch, they're already saying, hey, this will fit well on console. Yeah, I think so. Having watched a bunch of it the day that closed beta started, I it totally looks like a console shooter. But I won't be playing on a console. Give me my mouse and keyboard, please. Uh, all right, so that's all the Blizzard stuff. A few other items here. Uh, Battletech Kickstarter breaks $2.5 million in funding with one day remaining. Um, I remember seeing Battletech games a long time ago. No idea what it is, but it's by Harebrained Schemes, the wonderful people that brought us Shadowrun Returns, which I played and, and we talked about heavily on the show. I think I think it's interesting that some companies are very um, astute at getting lots of funding on Kickstarter because I think their goal was 2500 and they've gotten like 1,000% more than what they asked for, which is great. Um, that's very cool. So I just like that the age of successful Kickstarters is continuing. Um, you know, it's kind of putting uh, our, our star star citizen friends to shame. Release that game already. Stop making it some epic five billion year thing. Um, yeah. So any interest in Battletech? Do you know what this is? Well, no, I don't know anything about it. But twenty five million in funding for a game sim- like that would be similar budgeted or similarly designed to Shadowrun makes me feel like this is a realistic Kickstarter. And uh, I, there was a time where everybody and their mother would release Kickstarters for different things or different games. I feel like that's died down a little bit. Um, but so I'm glad to still see that it's a viable option. But I know nothing about Battletech, Battle and I still haven't played those Shadowrun games, despite having played it on Super Nintendo way back when. Yeah, it's, it, there's definitely a retro feel to uh, Shadowrun for sure. I think actually Mech Commander is going to be a top-down isometric game similar to Shadowrun, where you have a squad of people in mechs. Um, Sweet. I yeah. love mechs. Yeah, so it's not like the typical mech games where you're like first-person shooting. Um, but I think that's good. This plays into their strengths of isometric game design. Um, I like to step yeah. on the puny humans. <laughs> well, I don't think it's a slaughter simulator, but... Oh, right. Yeah. That's right. cool, too. So this other, there's this other guy in game development that uh, has some stuff to say, Crofton. Oh, yes. So I, I just saw today, Warren Spector, who... Now, I haven't played Epic Mickey, his latest games or whatever, but I'm a huge fan of the original Deus Ex, as we have sort of ascertained on this show countless so you times. you called it Deus Ex and not Deus Ex. I'm proud of I'm you. trying to move away from calling it Deus Ex. I think Deus Ex <laughs> When you say Deus Ex, I think of, like, taking a shit. Like I, yeah, <laughs> I, I understand. Like Deus Ex. I dropped a Deus Ex uh, the other day. I dropped a Deus Ex. Deus Ex, I'm, I'm trying to get on, I'm get, trying to get on board. 
with that pronunciation, but also like, you know, Thief and all these types of games that came out that provided, you know, a sizable amount of choice on where you're going to approach, how you're going to approach things and all this. This is what Warren Spector was known for. So he's come out and he's been critical about games like Uncharted, Heavy Rain, um, games that are designed to essentially replicate movies, provide you like a similar cinematic experience to movies. And it was funny because it, he, he he's just sort of saying that they're not using the medium, that being the medium of video games, effectively. And and I thought about that for a second and I was thinking to my I was thinking to myself, you know, he makes some good points. And I really do love uh Deus Ex and those types of games, the ones where you can choose to approach things from various ways that you can experience different amounts of the story depending on all the journals that you find and that sort of stuff. But I also really like games like The Last of Us and Uncharted, the cutscene heavy sort of where you're experiencing a scripted story while controlling like the action set pieces. And I understand where there's there's kind of room for both of them. I wouldn't only want one and I wouldn't only want the other. But he's definitely critical about the type of design that goes into an Uncharted game. And it, it, it's weird seeing one major game designer sort of calling out others in that way. So I thought it was worth noting. Yeah, no, I think uh, it's hard to tell if he's suffering from get off my lawnism, you know, because yeah. this guy's not a he's not a young man. He's like they don't make games like they used to. Get off my plane or whatever, and um, so I don't know. I'm pretty sure there are some you know young gentlemen out there that are innovating in great ways, and this guy's it's kind of misplaced. But you know, I think. I think, like anything, it's good to criticize and look at shortcomings because that's how we get better. We don't get better by saying nice things like, uh, hey, everyone, we're all making great games that are perfect. Let's just keep doing that thing that we're doing. Uh, much rather hear somebody like that say, uh, what can we be doing better? I will I will say, though, like he uses the terms the shared authorship, the idea being that like you, the gamer and the game together work to tell a story. Whereas if the gamer is just sort of experiencing a story that is told told to them, then the, the people making that game should should go make a movie. Uh, and it's funny because I think of David Cage, who's the creator of like Indigo Prophecy, Heavy Rain. David Cage to me is clearly a guy who wants to make movies. Like, and I don't know if he failed out of film school or whatever. Making games is like, hard too. It's not like he would have failed film school and go into the even harder discipline of making. Games. Well, when he first got into it, I mean, it was much easier to get into video games than it was to get into film. Now it's obviously much more difficult, but um, or difficult. But Uwe Ball, Uwe Ball can make movies. Can anybody can make movies? I I still don't understand. Fuck how you! That's... You don't like my movie, Bo Schwartz? I fucking fuck you! <laughs> I don't understand how that guy can operate. But anyway, he must have been. Given money or something i have no idea but def- definitely um what warren specter is saying sort of resonates with me like when you think like you read a book a certain way you watch you digest a movie a certain way and it's like there is a sort of like the the ability to see these um and people talk about metal gear solid 5 and i haven't played it but they say how it has emergent gameplay like crazy shit can happen like you can you can take your horse which is able to take a dump uh, on cue, you can take a dump on the road, and then a, a jeep will come and and hit that dump, and then skid out 
uh, and then flip over and then maybe explode a certain way. A guy crawls out. He runs one way. This other guy runs another way. You approach it from multiple different ways. And then you have like a holy shit story to tell your friends later. You're like, man, that game was so awesome. All this stuff happened. Completely unscripted, like just craziness. We have those when we play Planetside. When you play Heroes, I'm sure you got countless of those. This was so awesome. It's unscripted. It's just crazy. It's a story that you have created. Um, and and I think he's just sort of railing against the fact that these these manufactured stories that you are experiencing um, are more akin to movies, and the people making them should just like make so, movies instead. So basically, he's complaining that uh, we don't have AI yet because those unique experiences. What would make the perfect Im- like immersive game experiences is if what you happened happened organically, right? The 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 shit flipping a truck and, and blowing it up. And then the some AI going like, "Man, did you see that? Oh, I didn't think that was possible." Like, like to have thing, like to have actors, and I don't mean like actors as in performing actors. I mean like agents in the game, like things that moving parts in the game actually react to what you're doing as part of that story as well. I think that's why you have immersive storytelling because people want a level of interaction, but every time you create a branching line of narrative uh, logic. You have exponentially increased the work, and and that amount of exponentiality can increase to infinity, like to a place where it, it, you wouldn't even have enough money to make the thing happen because of all the people and man hours you would need to build the thing that you're talking about, right? So that's why we get confined into these very linear stories. It's because it's probably possible to construct a giant storytelling matrix and have so many branching storylines and have characters in that story react organically but think like if the the, the game would cost like $500,000 for you to buy or something you know like i think they have to companies have to find a balance between the two what's what's reasonably achievable and that can mean yes look it looking like a movie that being said i'm all for the the former of what we talked about that organic storytelling but I like getting told the special story too. You know, Walking Dead was pretty good. I enjoyed that game quite a bit. A a little, a little fairy told me, whispered in my ear that we may be talking about this a little more later on. So uh, let's save some of it. All right. Well, I'm glad that whatever we we planned later on, we also planned ahead of time. Anyways, No Man's Sky coming July 2016. Not much more to add. It's a game we all want to play. It's taking forever. So apparently it's uh, launching June 2016. No Man's Sky recently featured on Stephen Colbert. Has a randomly generated universe that you can explore. Um, I'm still skeptical on that game, Bo. What I'd like you to do is buy it, and then I'll go to your house and play it, and we'll decide if it's good. Because it's only going to be on PS4. Oh, no, is there a PC version? Yeah, there's a PC version, I think. Okay. I thought it was a PS4 exclusive, but it's a ton Anyway. I, I just think that, like, in, a, in you know, the I've seen a lot of video of this, maybe too much. Uh, it looks cool. It looks like, like a conceptual piece. It looks pretty neat. And I'm sure I'll play it for a little while. I'll jump to different galaxies and all this. But if there's no motivation of a goal or, you know, we just talked about story. If they're not zero story, but, like, even, like, um, the, if there's – if 
there's not any sort of scripted component whatsoever. It's going to be hard for it for me to see this hold on to my interest. And like, there's not even like much of a creative component a la Minecraft that I can tell. It's more of an exploring exploring a randomly generated universe. So I'm I'm you know we'll see. I'm skeptical. We'll see. I I hope it's awesome, but I I don't know. Yeah, I'm skeptical too. It seems like a hipster game. It sort of comes across to me <laughs> sometimes where I'm like. This is a game for hipster. I don't. Like, I just want a good game. I don't need the hipster game, but we'll see. I do play Banished a lot, and I think some people would say Banished is a hipster game. Um, but yeah. All right. Uh, that's it for our you know talking about news things. Uh, now we're going to change the track. And, and Crofton, what track are we switching to? Bo, let us talk about games that we are playing now, games that we have never discussed before, or maybe we did discuss before. I don't know. Let's find out, Bo. Let's find out. You're always talking about making kids' minds like vegetables. Talk about them out on the street, smoking pot. This is Games Per Minutes. How do you feel about cutting his head off? Okay, let me go first, Bo. Let's talk about the games we're playing right now. I am playing... The Witcher 3. Uh, now, now, I know what you're going to say. I don't want to hear about right, it anymore. <laughs> you're right to say it. You don't want to hear about it anymore. So <clears throat> you're in luck because I promised myself before the show I would not talk about it anymore. You can go back over my previous episodes. Just so you know, I'm probably nowhere yet near the end. But uh, I'm also looking to pick up <laughs> my new computer probably this week. Uh-huh. And uh, at that time... I will be moving into a new realm of game. I'm not sure what that new realm will be yet, but I will still be playing The Witcher 3. I'm committed to completing this game. So that is me. So games per minute so this week, Witcher 3 all the time. You're now married to Witcher 3, which means like it's going to be a year. Like You're committed to fit. It's a big commitment. It's not like I'm committing to finish Grand Theft Auto 5. You know. I'm far, Bo. I'm far enough along that I am committed and here. And what honestly, about, what about? Isn't there a big Fallout Four release coming soon? Are you? How well, does Fallout Four play into the Witcher Three plan, my man? No, here's the thing. I'm totally, uh, I'm impervious to hype. Like I survived the Metal Gear <laughs> Solid <laughs> hype. I survived the Metal Gear Solid hype. I can survive the Fallout hype. I won't be playing it. I'll be playing the Witcher Three. However, um. Both of those games are on my uh, list for first big new computer game when I get my new computer. I would like something – like as much as I want to try Heroes and I want to play Rocket League again and I want to I want to try you know, try uh, Overwatch and all this, I also want to play a big bells and whistles, super nice graphics game. Um, it I, it's going to be because The Witcher Three would be an obvious choice for something like that, and I'm I'm playing it on console. It, it it'll be either Fallout or it'll be Metal Gear, um, and I don't know. I I think I'll be able to resist the hype though. Yeah, well, I don't know. I think maybe you, Witcher Three might be ruining your life, friend, because those both I, sound like I, great games to play. But uh... dude, I, I not to say anything about The Witcher Three because I said I wouldn't. But it's creeping higher and higher onto possibly my favorite game of all time. So we'll 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 see. Like I don't want to till I've completed it. But like I'll have to think about other games. It'd but be, I have. It'd be really you know, funny if the ending of that game just left the sourest of taste. It was like I don't know. Everyone dies and someone takes a shit in your character. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> hey sucker, thanks for playing Witcher Three. 
effing idiot. <laughs> That'd be really funny. Yeah, no, I, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I doubt it. Uh, but, um, but I will, I will say that it's, it's really of the single player games because I feel like you know we always talk about Planet and Planet Side too. We had yeah. such good memories, especially in the first Planet Side, and it's hard to think that those memories will ever be surpassed in terms of a, a multiplayer game. It's really hard to compare a multiplayer only game to a single player game. I've had some great moments in Mario Kart's for that matter. Um, it's just in terms of single player, I feel like this may be the crowning achievement in my gaming career. So anyway, I'm done. Bo, I played Witcher 3. What's your games? Um, so, well, I played it basically nothing but Heroes of the Storm the past week for my game time. Of course, I, I do want to get to other games right now. I'm having a lot of fun playing that one. So what can you do? That's what I've been spending my time. And also, I played a secret game. Um, which means it's a game I can't discuss because I signed an NDA. So, or I didn't sign it, but I agreed to an NDA. So, um, Oh, really? Eh? That's about all cool. I can say. But uh, I really don't want to hint at anything because I don't... I think um, I had a lot of fun playing it, although I'm still exploring it. But, um, yeah, so part of my, you know, it's this game's even playing section. It's just like, well, I can't talk about the game I've been playing publicly. That's what I've agreed to. I, but I've been I playing something other than Heroes. I the game that you're playing. If it in some way game. reveals the game, I cannot answer it. It shouldn't. It shouldn't reveal the game. I don't think. Um, it, do, is it? Uh, is it a finished game, or is it a, like? In, is it like an alpha or a beta of a game? Uh, I'm not sure if they're referring to it as alpha or beta, but it's definitely not. Fin- it's definitely unfinished. Okay. Like it's, it's, uh, do you feel like it's unfinished when you're playing it, or does it feel kind of finished? Like, remember when we were talking about Darkest Dungeon? Oh, a couple it feels of... unfinished. Having played betas, like it's this is if this, yeah, like it's definitely early in the development, and it's not the entire game or anything like that. Oh, okay. So, oh, really? It's that early, eh? Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, that is exciting. It's too bad that you can't talk about it. What a giant tease! Kiss my ass, Bo. All right. Well, you know, move it on. Uh, let's go to the dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> now that there's one fine dialogue tree all right so dialogue tree every week we pick a topic pre-decide sort of select of something we want to talk about in the world of video games it doesn't have to necessarily be relevant to what's going on this week sometimes like this week it's just a general topic came about from that warren specter story i i saw uh, and we were talking about earlier it's about story in video games bo i want to know how important is a story in the video game to you would you play a bad game if it had a good story or would uh, you maybe not play a game that had good gameplay because it had a bad story? Do you have a favorite way that a game story is delivered? How do you value story in games? All right. So let's start with Bo's vote or nominee for best game of all time. My favorite game of all time, Planetside 1. The story in that game is basically, it's like uh, someone ate a turd and vomited that turd and that turd that vomit turd gained sentience 
and tried to write something but then died because it's a vomit turd and can't stay alive very long. That's how I don't good know. This, that's it's how not good, that bad. That's how good this... There is no story. It's like, you're the Terrans. Uh, you're assholes. <laughs> like there, are three, the, there are three factions that are at w- endless war on some sort of But, but they all planet. look the same. There's there's no racial difference. There's no... like They're different armor colors. And one of them likes technology a lot. The other one likes shotguns. And the other one likes just rapid fire weapon weaponry. It doesn't make much sense the story is terrible and now there's a problem with the call wait the call is back hello are you here all right <laughs> yeah i'm here you're the one talking keep talking okay so um so the story in planet side one is horrible so but it's my favorite game why because a game is a game first and a story second third fourth fifth sixth, somewhere in that line that being said i definitely enjoy um, story elements in my game whether it's a character who has a lot of lore that's tied to it but not necessarily a part of the gameplay so if you look at Heroes of the Storm for example some of the characters have a storied history and there's even books written about them or whatever it's cool that there's lore associated with this thing that I play but the story is not my reason for playing and then there's actual just narrative games and so like the one that jumps to mind right now is like The Walking Dead is a game like telltale games are very heavily invested in the story it's telling i think those can be really fun too um even a game like borderlands 2 is made a lot better by its you know satirical comedy story like part of that that's really important you know the story in borderlands 2 and yes it has a story is an important part of what keeps me invested in sort of continuing on the different chapters of that game and people say that was one of the big differences between Borderlands 1. It was 2 as a better story. Yeah. Oh, it's way more fleshed out. And it doesn't have to be the most epic story in the world. What it has to be is it, it's, it has to, um, some of the world building, like like if you're kicking over barrels, like there's a story about all the assets that are in the game. Like if everything has a Hyperion symbol on it, why does that matter? Because Hyperion's is company, blah, 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 blah. So like... You you a story can also increase the enjoyment of the gameplay section by providing context for you know the immersive experience you're having. So I think it depends on the game genre. I would say it's not the most important, but it can be fairly important, I think, to a fun okay. experience. Okay, let me so rephrase this a bit because all the examples you've given are almost all even Borderlands I'd throw in there are multiplayer games. Sure, uh, for the most sure. part, yeah. okay. but you know, Planet Side's a multiplayer game. Like, uh, so would you say that story is more important for a single player game? And if you remove multiplayer games from the equation, how important is story in sort of selecting the game that you're going to play? Um, or or enjoying the game you're going to play? Because, for instance, I had no interest in the new Wolfenstein or new Wolfenstein last year's Wolfenstein game. I had no interest before it was released. I thought it was going to be another sort of doom. You just shoot all the monsters. There's really no minimal story. You're a space Marine in space. Then I started seeing these reviews talking about what a great story it had and how cool it was and all this sort of thing that immediately made me much more interested in the game. Right. It's interesting. So, Cause I would say the story is pretty bad in that game. <laughs> But yes, but your Maybe point well is that well presented. You, I don't know. Well, the story—it's the style with which it's told, which it feels very Tarantino. Yeah, and Tarantino and Pulp Fiction. You know, since Glorious Bastards has been made, 
seems to fit like those two digest well when you eat them both together wolfenstein and like um tarantino uh, given that wolfenstein is a just an exercise in violence anyways so um does it have a good story like i would say the story is still pretty dumb in it um but does it make it more immersive and more fun to play for sure like i think it didn't take away it added to that gameplay experience so like i know i'm being kind of like picky about my language a bit when it comes like story and narrative versus world building because i think most games have terrible stories <laughs> you're like, you're absolutely like, right most games do and it's oh, funny because this person I, i'm needs willing saving. oh you know. I'm willing to be much more forgiving with a video game story than I am something else, especially if the gameplay is good. I'll give you an example. Resident Evil 4, okay? Resident Evil 4 is – I really enjoy it as a game. I continue to enjoy it to this day. I own about three versions of it. Super awesome. Story is horrible. Like it, the, the it's a horrible The best part of that story. game is it scares the crap out of you. <laughs> It's scary. Well, it, but to, to succeed at scaring the crap out of you, there has to be some sort of buy-in from the player, both to like the environment, the atmosphere, the, the real danger that you're in, and like the the, the stakes, the motivation, sure. the villains, you, you want to get to them and all that sort of thing. I find that Resident Evil 4 does a great job of all those things. All those big, broad strokes, it does well. Clearly, it's a Japanese game. It's it's been translated, so I would argue fairly poorly. Yeah. Um, it's cheesy as all hell and all that sort of stuff. But if if you told me uh, the option is between playing Resident Evil Four the way it was designed, or taking all the assets, the gameplay mechanics, and everything of Resident Evil Four, and having like sort of like they have the mercenaries mode in Resident Evil Four. I love the mercenaries mode. It's like a it's a, like an arcade style mode you play at the end, and you just say it's like a series of mercenary mode without a story campaign or whatever. I would have no interest in that. And like you're seeing these games now that are being released. I think of Evolve. I think of Titanfall. They've even announced that the next Call of Duty, or the one coming out this year, on older consoles like Xbox 360 and PS3, if you want to buy that game, you're not getting a campaign. You're only getting the multiplayer. If you buy it on the new gens, you get a, a, you know your traditional six-hour Call of Duty campaign. And for me, like I'm not a Call of Duty player, but that would put me off buying the old versions. And a lot of people are like, "Oh, I'm only in for the multiplayer." For me, I'm multiplayer is always an added bonus. Like I liked Assassin's Creed multiplayer, but really, I, I wasn't buying the game for Assassin's Creed multiplayer, even though I may have put more time into it in the end. I was buying it for the single player and the story. Yeah. And I, I'm a huge story fanboy. In it, in all mediums, but in video games in particular, I really, really like um, like the uh, both the world building in these like expansive worlds, like The Witcher Three and in and Elder Scrolls, and the strong like tight narratives, like the like The Last of Us and and, and that. And not to not to ruin um, not to ruin anything about The Witcher Three here, but there's a I, I'm at a point in the game just this week where I returned to essentially where I began the game. And um, and I got to interact with characters that I hadn't seen since, like, the tutorial and the prologue and all this. And, like, you, you, even, you even get drunk with those characters and, like, just, you know, there's 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 a lot, lot of b- character building and world building. 
And and when you ride in the gate of this giant castle, it's been hundreds of hours I've been playing this game. And and one of the guys says, oh, Geralt, it's been too long or whatever. And you really – it it, it draw, draws an emotional reaction that I wouldn't be getting out of anything else like TV shows or, or movies or whatever because I've invested all this time and I know it's been a long time. I know I've done all this stuff and they're they're paying off those relationships that they built way earlier in the game. And supposedly soon I'm going to be encountering some of the characters that I met earlier in the game again. And I reminisce about them like almost like they're old friends. And this is an advantage that a super long game with detailed characters and relationships can have. And so for me, when I go to a store, and it used to be when you'd rent games and you go into a blockbuster and you'd look at the game, I would always look up story first. And if the gameplay was great, I would always be you know happy. And that's somewhat of a foolish way perhaps of looking at it. But um, especially games. But as somebody who appreciates story, that it's one of the the biggest things for me in selecting and appreciating, especially a single player game. I understand like that emergent stuff. I talked about multiplayer games. They're sort of different. Like if I watch a hockey game or go out and play hockey, I'm not necessarily looking for a great story. I'm looking for more of sort of a crazy game with my friends. Yeah. Whereas you know, and like Bo, you're a great guy to play play um game co-op games that have stories like say you're playing a gears of war game or whatever and we're on the same team because you don't talk during cutscenes necessarily like i'm actually right. able to appreciate yeah. the world with you as i go through the game but most of the time that's not the case when you play with other people they're like blah 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 or like run to the next quest giver or just like power through it and that drives me nuts yeah. i just well, i just like so, so it's maybe a single player multiplayer thing for me so let's let's i want to i just want to cut you off there because i also want to echo that sentiment jerks who play co-op games with people stop talking when there's fucking stuff going on there's nothing more infuriating let's talk about my particular brand of nerddom which is you know when people watch like you you have a family crofton when you watch movies together you might say some stuff so this is what makes it miserable to be close with me because when I watch a movie, if there's talk, if somebody talks, I'm mad, and I give people a few strikes. And if they keep talking in a movie that I want, I don't just want to hear every line of dialogue. I want to hear every piece of foley. I watch most of my movies turned up real loud with headphones so I get the full audio feeling of it. There isn't anything more enrage-inducing for me than someone who's like, Hey, look at that guy's haircut. A 2009 called. He wants his hairstyle back. Am I right, everyone? <laughs> I'm just like, fuck! I could kill you! Um, He's eligible, ladies. <laughs> yeah, right. So, um, yes, I'm good to play co-op games with because when even if I've seen it, I want other people to have the joy that I have, so I shut up. When it's and that's time. key. That's key because somebody's experiencing it for the first time. You play that Diablo three campaign a zillion times. Somebody's experiencing it for the first time. So you, you know, like it, it is. It is frustrating. But it for for me that shows you have an appreciation of story, be it in video games or elsewhere. And uh, and I understand like we're, like I'm really into Rocket League right now, and that's a pure gameplay thing. There is no story. The fact that they're trying to make a movie or a TV show out of Rocket League makes me laugh so hard. But but that that said, like when it becomes a single player game, like anything Naughty Dog does, and we talked about how Warren Spector was shitting on them earlier. Anything Naughty Dog does. 
Uncharted, Last of Us, I'm on board because I know they're going to deliver an awesome story. And sometimes you want to experience those stories in an interactive way. Like everybody's looking to design the perfect Indiana Jones game because people love Raiders of the Lost Ark and they want to get hands-on and experience that story. So, Spoiler alert, it was always already done. It's Fate of Atlantis. So, um, Oh, nice. <laughs> so I went to my Steam profile, look at the games I put the most hours into to get a sense of if I put a lot of hours into it and if it has a story to see which where story means the most to me. Croft, you should do this too while we're, while we're doing this. But story stories um, will end. Just before you do yeah. that, like stories are, are games that have endings. You end with sure. a story, yeah. whereas... Uh, if the game has no story, then you're more likely probably to have spent more time on it anyway. Well, yeah, no, that's true. But it, at least it gives me an idea because a lot of the examples I stated um, were it's easy for me to be dismissive of story because I didn't care that much about it. But I think what jumps out to me on my list in terms of story is first I put 166 hours into Skyrim. Skyrim most definitely has a story. Yes, it's open. Yeah, world. it has a lot of story content. All the world. quests have story. Yeah, it's open world and nonlinear. But the driving force is getting to the bottom of why the dragons have reappeared. And there's a whole bunch of coolness along the way that without the context of the story, it's just a medieval simulator. Like, woohoo. Like, the story is very important. The other one that jumps out at me is a game that we have a boner for pretty much every episode that we do this, which is Deus Ex. Deus Ex Human Revolution, the re- like, there's a lot to love. I don't just love the story. But most definitely, the biggest win for me in a game that was imperfect was the brilliant storytelling, the narrative, the interesting science fiction ideas. I love, And that's why I'm excited to play the next one. I want to see what the continuation of Adam Jensen's story is in this great science fiction world. So um, with those two examples alone, I'm like, well, story can be pretty important with the right kind of game. I, it's not like I'm, oh man, I really want to play like the best stealth game. Let's play Deus Ex. Because probably there's a technically better one, like maybe Hitman or something. I don't know. But the narrative is the is the key element to why I love Deus Ex. Um, so... And I would say, like, the narrative for me, y- you can have your cake and eat it, too. So I-, I focus on games like Uncharted. But, like, the Mass Effect trilogy is, like, to me, a master class in, in, in all Bioware games. But I think of Mass Effect because it's all original IP. It- it's a master class in-, in design in terms of background. It- they're doing all the work that you do in a world bu- in world building, be it for film, be it for books, whatever. You- you're developing um, uh, characters. Races, but uh, choice. planets, choice. Like there are choices in that game that affect of course. which characters appear in the third one from the first one, right? Like, that's... And, and that's that is impressive, and is something that can only really be done in the realm of video games. So, I mean, I think like I I know this episode's running a bit long, and I do, I could talk about story and games forever, but I would say that rightly or wrongly, for me personally, in a single player game, story is pretty much. Almost the number one, it is the number one thing in getting me to try a game, to play a game. It won't necessarily be the the unique thing to hold me because frustrating gameplay will eventually have me leave. But it is definite, for me, it's the candy that brings me to the table and I appreciate it very, very much. Multiplayer, I'm 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 gonna be drawn much more by word of mouth and gameplay and that sort of thing. Yeah. I'm less concerned with story. Yeah. Uh, a few other honorable mentions too just from here reasons to play a game 
for the story. Uh, South Park Stick of Truth is kind of a terrible game. I just no, played that's... it because of the South Park. Um, Absolutely. The Banner Saga has a great world. Metro 2033, not the best shooter in the world, but the way they told the story and the way they, the environments sort of, that that oppressive, depressing feeling sort of worked with the kind of story they were telling. Also a great example. I love the Dead Space franchise and that's Dead all Space, the yeah, for sure. Um, the so, marker. Yeah, like it can be very important because there are games out there who's, you know, they're, not all companies are like Blizzard where they're like, we're going to polish the gameplay side like a stone. Um, you know, some people just want to focus on a great storytelling experience, focus on different things. And and um, I think it is important uh, for, in particular, adventure games or story-driven telltale type games. These are things, these are experiences people do want to have. So, Warren Spector, you can go suck it, old man. <laughs> Whoa! I think Warren Spector was talking, because Warren Spector's games like Deus Ex, they, they really allowed you to experience the world in different in different ways. Like, you had you had characters you could just not even speak to. You had, like, different um, uh, little information pads or computers you could hack into that would reveal po- elements of the world. And sure. you see this, like, Bioshock... Um, in twenty seven, uh, two thousand seven, had a bunch of like, uh, you know, you'd find recording devices with people's story that were allowed to flesh out the 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 sort of story of uh, the world. I actually came think- across the spoiler for that, by the way. As someone who's played Bioshock three times and gotten various points in the game, but never to the ending, I accidentally clicked on something that gave away the huge twist to that game at the end, which, without spoiling it has to do with narrative the big twist you know the storytelling yeah twist it's in super that game. it's super well done Bio- bioshock yeah. is a is a master class game in terms of uh narrative and i'd argue bioshock infinite is as well uh in terms of uh narrative and in in bioshock games while they're competent first person shooters i you know like recognize there's a bit of narrative dissonance with the way you play those games and and how, what the story is and that sort of thing and um I I mean for the story generally in those games and the sense and that the story sort of extends to environment and atmosphere um, and, and the like I feel that I'm a huge advocate of like you think of a, a game like Dead Space the the story is fairly minimal especially in the first one but really what is of note is is the setting and the backdrop and the reason that you're there and everything has to be sort of compelling why is it the way it is when there's mysteries like and Bo's right like almost all writing in video games sucks like a lot of it has it's changed a lot and playing a game like The Witcher 3 where every little quest has a giant story attached to it and everyone is super well scripted and voice acted is like maybe that's the way of the future like maybe every Everything will be like Elder Scrolls. I have no doubt will be super well written. Everybody talks about how funny New Vegas was. I never played it, but oh, you mean I mean Fallout it, Four. Yeah, uh, yeah, Fallout Four. Sorry, yeah. 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 So anyway, uh, stories. Yay! They're important. For, uh, we hang on. We you know what? When something is uh, good, we do have a, um, a sound effect. There's a sound for that. So let's uh, let's, let's celebrate stories uh, properly by you know. Stories are good. Sweet. That was stolen oh, from our sister crap. podcast. Damn good, it. bad, or bullshit. Nope. Sorry. <laughs> didn't, didn't mean for that to happen. Uh, just ignore the sheeps. Um, that's for I another, always do. It's for another show I do. Uh,
Well, it's All right, for good, Bo, bad, let, us, let us move clear of this dialogue tree, step over it, if you will, and fall into the corporate realm of inventory management, where we answer the question, spend your cash or vendor trash? Inventory management is a challenging and inexact science. All right, so I'm going to do go first, and I'm going to make a recommendation, okay. partly because we planned out what our uh, dialogue tree discussion was going to be, and when I was thinking at the time of like a game I really enjoyed for its story, it was Borderlands 2, and I played that game a ton, and Borderlands 2 really hit the comedy nail on the head. In a world filled with so many games that aren't really that funny... This game really made me laugh, and playing through it a second time with Crofton and co-op made me laugh even more listening to Crofton's first-time reactions to hearing about, you know, I'm going to buy a diamond-encrusted pony and call it Butt Stallion. Like, just pretty ingenious stuff. So, um, it's also a great shooter. It has the Diablo feel of constantly upgrading your weapons. Uh, the humor is very great. The action's great. It's co-op up to, like, I think four people can play together in the in the main campaign so it's got a lot of good things going for it it's too bad that um the board the um the 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 prequel borderlands didn't live up to the borderlands 2 hype but i'm assuming there's still more borderlands to come in the future so all is not lost for that franchise but um if you haven't played borderlands 2 and how could you not have played borderlands 2 but if you haven't this is a great recommendation for you um, don't hesitate to pick it up. I'm sure you can get the entire enchilada of Borderlands for cheap on Steam or other places like it's, GMA Gaming. Honestly, I doubled down on Bo's Rack. I played it. It's great. If you can find a friend to to play uh, co-op with it, you can do it solo. But honestly, I, I had so much fun playing with Bo. It was always uh, neat how, how like we had powers that kind of complemented each other. And, uh, and it, it's... It's weird for me playing a game that actually makes me laugh. Like it, it takes a lot from a video game, and this game had me laughing all the time. And there's a lot of talk about games that are like um, the South Park game I enjoyed, and I laughed based on the South Park stuff and the just sort of egregiously disgusting stuff. And it was pretty funny, but honestly, my laugh per minute track was way higher on Borderlands. I, I think it's super well written and there's some really funny jokes. So totally worth a play. Yeah, great. So you're doubling down on mine. We're both recommending Borderlands. Oh, no. I, you know what? That's cheating. I should come up with my own. No, well, I have my cheating. own. cheating. Can, we, can, we can duo, duo <laughs> recommendation. Nope. I, right. I, I'm my own person, Bo. Fine. Um, Fine. Be, be a hipster. So I am going to be a hipster. Because I'm gonna go really old and retro, and this is—it's funny because oh, like yeah, some games up. just you know don't don't hold up. And we talked about last week. I recommended the original Deus Ex with all these mods and shit. I'm going even further back this time, and I'm gonna recommend this game called Star Control Two. And uh, there's some there's some people right off who will be like, "Oh, Star Control Two! They'll know what I mean right away." Maybe it's a huge part of their childhood. Maybe whatever. They'll be really excited. There was a Star Control Three, not as good. There was a Star Control One. They can skip it. Star Control Two 
really do for a remake or you know like put onto a portable system or something is 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 the precursor to mass effect in many ways precursor to ftl in other ways you do you build you're the commander of a starship you build the starship you you explore the galaxy you meet all these alien races you talk to them you might get into fights you you trade with with the with different people you land on planets and all this sort of thing the story was surprisingly really good really funny there's some aliens that are ridiculously humorous and the combat now the combat is like it's funny cuz it's over the top uh it, it's like you see your ship from the top down and it was arcade really arcadey and it just was so much fun. And you could have different ships that had different special powers. Each race had a ship um, that would have sort of special attack powers and stuff. So anyway, that's, it's a great game. I think that it would probably hold up, although you have to be okay with looking at some pixel art and stuff like that. But yeah, my recommendation for this week is Star Control 2. Booyah! I feel like I might have played Star Control 1. There's a space game that I played in MS DOS days, but I can't find I can't find it anymore. But I don't know if it's Star Control. I don't think it is. Do you know of any games like it that aren't Star Control? Uh, Masters of Orion. No, I, yeah, uh, I remember I, that one. This, this looks like the like this does look like a game I might have played, but I, I honestly I feel like, and this is this is like I I don't know. Um, because of the gra- type of graphics it has and all this, I I haven't played it any time recently, like any time in the last twenty years. However, I I just feel like it would hold it it would hold up both graphically because of the VGA style still kind of looks pretty good, and also gameplay wise. But I don't know for sure. I haven't played it recently, and I, you got to take that with a grain of salt. But if it does hold up, I think Bo, you would really like this game. This is. Well, maybe it is something I should check out. Um, definitely, when you mentioned Master of Orion 1 and 2, that also got me. I loved Master of Orion 2 so much. I kind of want to play it again. I don't know what it was about that game, but the, the third one really sucked. But the first one and the second one were very good. So um, Yeah, the third Star Control sucks too, incidentally. So uh, just uh, it's definitely my recommendation is Star Control 2. So that, and, by uh, this logic, the next Elite game is going to be the worst by far. Potentially. Yeah. All um, right. Well, anyway, that's our recommendations. That, yeah, that's all our recommendations. If you have recommendations you would like to share with us, please do so. There's so many ways. I can't even begin to count them, but I will anyway. First off, you can uh, email us at exmpodcast at gmail.com. You could follow us on Twitter and tweet us your thoughts at exmpodcast. Um, you could even go on Facebook. People still use that. Facebook.com slash exmpodcast. Come comment. Tell us what you think. Uh, also, if you want to access any of our episodes, exmpodcast.com. They're all there. You can also, of course, get them on iTunes, Stitcher. If you subscribe, give us a great review. We love great reviews. Actually, give us any review. We'll pretty much take any review, but preferably great. Also, Monday evenings, like tonight, although you may be listening to this in the future, in which case, rock on. Uh, you can stream our show, twitch.tv slash podcast. That way you get to look at our handsome faces while 
uh, we talk and, and you know my face will just keep thinning as I get more and more ripped at the gym and you'll be able to see that every week and so. I'll keep getting fatter and fatter as I eat one dollar glazed donuts on a daily basis <laughs> six packs yeah six packs of I'll have my so own be- brand of six pack called glazed donuts <laughs> so it will be like a neat sort of symmetry there so you'll have to watch twitch.tv slash exm podcast on Monday nights to see it and finally if you like Bo and I and of course you do we're super likable uh, you can uh, listen to our other show Good Bad or Bullshit and goodbadbull.com is where all the good information is so we'd invite you to check that out we do a random topic every week it's always a good time check it finally, out yo finally uh, following our trip all the way back from Mordor both myself and my associate Samwise Gamgee are available online to communicate with. And Sam, how can they uh, how can they get a hold of you? Well, uh, Mister Mister Steers, they can find me at Bo Schwartz on uh, on that Twitter thing. I can't I can't what what does he talk like? Hello, hello, I'm Samwise, the the eating man. The, you're you're yeah, way off. And yeah, you can Samwise is not a, not working for me. You can reach. Master Crofton at Crofton Steers on Twitter as well. Uh, and so you could just, what you do, go on Twitter, follow at EXM Podcast, at Crofton Steers, and at Bo Schwartz, and you're pretty much all set. Then you've just won Twitter. Yeah. Um, That's how you win so, Twitter. Yeah, with, with that all done, let us move into the most popular part of our show, according to my mom Master Game Theater. Um, don't let your mom catch you, uh, Master Croftoning. It's now time for Master Game Theater. So, um, did your does your mom officially endorse the Master Game Theater segment as being awesome? Oh, who are we kidding, Bo? She doesn't listen to this show. Okay, oh, um, don't play with my heart that way. I would so, love it if your mom listened. She's from another generation. She still thinks video games are are uh, games that are played with VCR cassettes, VHS cassettes that you put in your VHS and you watch people talk and tell you to do things. Anyway, like aerobics. That's okay. a video game to oh, her. Wow. Okay. So uh, what's funny is that she'll never – I could zing her all day long. She'll never hear this. It's way too far in the show. She would have had to listen to all that nerd shit up there. Um <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Master Game Theater this week, God of War, the God of War series in particular, God of War Two, known for its bombastic lead character Kratos. Thanks for making me think of Jar Jar Binks. By the way, that was bombad mean of you. <laughs> yeah, sorry, my bad. And uh, in this scene is a conversation between Athena, his guide and uh, a, one of the Greek gods, and Kratos. Uh, Bo, you seem like sort of a Kratos type. Um, if you'd like to play Athena, I would be very happy to play Kratos. Enunciate the anger. Just remember he's pissed all the time. Yeah, That's all I know about God of War is that he's he has wenches and he's angry. So just read your lines angry. Okay. Ready? Yep, good to go. Enough, Kratos. With every city you destroy, the wrath of Olympus grows. Soon, I will no longer be able to protect you. I need no protection. Don't forget 
that it was I who made you a god, ghost of Sparta. Don't turn your back on me. I owe you nothing! (laughs) 